You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. <laughs> Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're talking today and continuing down the 25 years uh, episodes, a loving look back at the Ravens organization and some of the great moments. We're actually talking about a good one today, the Sunday night football win 
over the New England Patriots in 2012. Here to talk to me about it is Dirk Schwank. Dirk, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, my transitional period of my day when I work, when I go from, you know, lawyer by day to you know, Ravens fan at night or whatever else it is that I might do during the day. So there yeah. you go. I'm looking into his office there. He's got all his guitars up and his, uh, his whatnot. You do, you do some singing as well. Yeah. No, I'm a singer songwriter. Um, I've got a band Dirk and the truth. Um, we had practice last night, which is why we punted to tonight. And, uh, yeah, I'm by, I try to have a good time in life, go to some Ravens games, learn interesting things. All right. Appreciate that. So we're talking about a game that sits at a kind of a crossroads point for the Baltimore Ravens in 2012. Uh, they, you know, certainly had uh, played well in the opener against Cincinnati in week two. I forget exactly what happened in week two to this team. We'll have to look at that real quickly. They I think they might have been two and zero. But I'm trying to remember who they beat. Nope, they got beat by the Eagles 24-23. So that was a tight one up in Philly. They lost. So they came home 1-1, one and one, playing the Patriots on Sunday Night Football. Art Modell had died a couple of weeks before. Correct. And, Correct. and they're, wearing, they're wearing Modell patches on their uniforms. This was Ray Lewis's 17th and final year, which, thinking about it, is really a, an incredible run. I mean... You don't really think about it like Cal Ripken sort of, but his run to be able to stay, you know, effective in the NFL as a every down middle linebacker with, you know, what, 150 tackles a year probably mm-hmm. um, for that period of time is just incredible. Um, and he was still, you know, he still looked good here. He, he wasn't perhaps the dominant ray of, you know, a few years prior, but, but the game had also changed a little bit, I think from the years prior too. So I, but he, he was st- he was still doing well. I, he told a story. I'm I'm not sure if it was this year, but he told a story in the off season one year that uh, as the game I think was sort of going toward a more pass oriented game, and he was like, "I'm going in my off season. I'm going to lose ten pounds, and you know I'm going to come out running four four. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> now when you're thirty six or whatever. <laughs> this is interesting because because uh, Ray. Uh, we look at today's uh, Ravens linebackers, and one of the things that really stands out to me is how they have no idea what's going on behind them. It's as if the opponent becomes invisible as soon as they move between levels two and three. They don't read the routes well off the line of scrimmage. Josh Bynes has been an exception. He's played pretty well in recent weeks. But but Ray, even in his final season, one of the things he could still do was read the quarterback well, read the routes off the line of scrimmage so he knew where he had to be to be in a passing lane, even if he couldn't cover at all. And really saw in the Super Bowl just how weak a coverage player he'd become. But he was still able to impact plays by getting into passing lanes. Well, there's times, and I remember distinctly with Ray, that there'd be times he'd be 40 yards downfield in a deep drop, affecting a pass into the end zone. You know, we're just no business being a you know middle line. It's just not where you would expect a middle linebacker to be at any point. And he, you know, he would he would he would do that. He was, he was very effective that way. And certainly knew it, you know, knew every nuance of the game aside from his physical gifts. He was a fun player to watch. Yeah. It was a, it was a great year. This was not the greatest Ray Lewis year, but no, so it was fun. <laughs> no, that's true. But it, I mean, well, it, you know, it turned out good, I guess. I mean, we should, we should hearken forward. Part of the reason to look at this year, you know, is that this is ultimately a Super Bowl team. Um, and the early part of this year wasn't, it's, you know, greatest 
part of the season. We ultimately got, mm-hmm. to, you know, this was the season that Cam Cameron is fired later on mm-hmm. because the offense can't really seem to get, stay, you know, out of its own way. It had a really good, at least, you know, on paper, this defense is magnificent. You know, we got Nada and Ellerby. Sizzle's injured right now, but Bernard Pollard is back there. Ed Reed, Ray still in the game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it certainly – we had a lot of pieces in this, uh, which is part of what I wanted to see. There's great pieces in this game and going forward. Yeah. Uh, Ed's last year as a Raven as well, of course, his interception of the Super Bowl was really his last big moment. But Ray Lewis, I want to just mention one other thing that I don't think a lot of people really get. There are very few players who have ever gone out the way Ray Lewis did. And I'm not talking about winning the Super Bowl because there've been other players who've done that, Jerome Bettis and, you know, players like that. But, but Ray Lewis literally on his last three defensive plays in the NFL made a significant contribution to each of the second and five, third and five and fourth and five plays that ultimately gave the Ravens the Super Bowl. And on Danelle Ellerby had the game winning pressure of Kaepernick, but it was Lewis crossing the face face of the left guard Ayapati that gave him the lane to run. And it's it's just he was he would not be cleared out of the previous play. Second and five or third and five, I'm trying to remember which one it was, but they ran a clear out where they ran literally three guys through one zone, ran a ran then a running back back in the zone, and Ray diagnosed it the whole way. He was on it, and Kaepernick instead went to the outside and Jimmy Smith pretty much took somebody's head off. But but anyway, <laughs> Ray Lewis contributions. I mean, Ted Williams homered in his last at bat in a completely meaningless game. It's usually thought of as one of these iconic moments in sports, you know, that, right. but Ray Lewis's final three plays, there's nothing like it in the history of any sport that I'm aware of. I, I, I certainly will not argue with you on historical context on almost any issue having to do with the Ravens, but I do remember that being a great, a great um, Super Bowl, and the fact that he sort of and he got a lot of heat for this too. You know, at the at the beginning of the playoffs or whatever year, you know, whatever game it was, I forget that he said, "This is it. This is my last ride." You know, I'm going out and. You know, and he played, God, he played his heart out. I feel like the defense played it, their hearts out around him, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got a lot of flack for that, sort of sort of criticized for making it about himself, which I don't think it was what his, I don't think that's what Ray was doing. I think he was just trying to bring everybody's energy and his own energy up to be like, this is it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I, I didn't. I didn't look at it as a selfish act, and I think it's kind of foolish for the for the people who do. But uh, but anyway, let's get back to the Sunday night okay. game because right. what we're here to talk about it. It's 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 a great game in and of its own in and of itself. Uh, how do you want to tell the story? Well, let's see. Um, well, I told the story last time about sort of the reason I picked you know a particular game or a particular season, but. Um, the only time I've been down on the field for a Ravens game, I had whatever, you know, whatever sort of those like, you know, fan passes. Mm-hmm. I, I know somebody in the Ravens organization and I happened to get like the family, you know, field passes that, you know, would have gone to her, her, her friends and family. But that in, in that experience, I was down there on the home sideline, maybe, I don't know, five or six feet off the edge of the sideline. And, and it was during warmups. And, I, what I just, so Vontae Leach, who I didn't even know, like this must have been early, it might have been the preseason this year. I didn't even really sort of know him by number and whatever, but Vontae Leach was doing, um, was doing pass drills and came on a little short out pattern 
right at me on the sideline. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, I just, I was like, Oh my God, that is the biggest part. Like who could that possibly be? This man is huge. And, um, so I, so I do remember this, you know, this period of time. And I love the Ravens for the fullbacks. I mean, we've done great with fullbacks forever. That's part of our culture. But he was just a beast. My goodness. When you see him up close in pads, you know, from field eye level, he is a monster. Well, you know, is, is I'm sure still was a monster in those times. So, um so I love this season. I love the season partly because we're going into the, you know, we're going into a Super Bowl year, partly because there was troubles, partly because, um, you know, because of the, the people that were still on the Ravens here. But just to kind of wind it up, this was a year, um, you know, the Patriots were the offensively dominant team of this era. And this was a really good era for the Patriots. Um, Brady, obviously, Gronk um, in the mix. And then they were super big on the sort of tiny, um, versatile running back um, slot guys. So um, Edelman, Woodhead, and um, uh, who's the and Welker all on this squad, all contributing. Woodhead primarily a, a running back for them, and Edelman, you know, and and Welker going out for passes. Welker in his dominant. Those this was his dominant year. He was fantastic in this period. Mm-hmm. Um, Patriots running solely exclusively, I think, or just about no huddle through this entire game. And this was their no huddle phase. I feel like offensively, that was their kind of innovation at the time. And the Ravens come out with, you know, we've got really great personnel. We've got um, Flacco at quarterback. We've got Rice in the backfield. Um, We've got, is it Pitta? I want to say Pitta is our, you know, then very good tight end, pass catching tight end. Um, And, weirdly we come out running no huddle also. So I guess we, and you know, much of the league during that time sort of adopted this notion that's running no huddle would be the kind of effective offense. So we come out um, to begin this game. Um, offensively, we come out no huddle. We defer actually on the, the kickoff and play defense against the best offense in the league, which I thought was kind of an interesting decision. They pretty much always want that second half uh, reception. You don't want to let the opposing team double dip at halftime is one of the reasons why they do it. But but just to have the control over the uh, the drive pacing in the second half is is more important. Uh, well, I certainly agree with that. Although against Brady in that offense, you wonder. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's certainly the the go to thing. Uh, so Brady comes out. Um, they look terrible. It's extremely loud. They don't seem to really be able to get their plays in. They fumbled on second down. Um, Ellerby got a sack on third down. I think that was that. So Ravens get the ball. And like I said, they come out, come out no <laughs> with Flacco, no huddle. And I, Flacco, I, I, you know, obviously was a huge Flacco fan during this time. Um, and Flacco has his gifts. And th- throughout this game, just, you know, on display, his arm strength in the sense of, you know, like putting there's, you know, like no arc on a ball that goes 40 yards downfield. He just whips it in. You know, it's like eight feet off the ground and it hits the receivers four yards downfield. So his arm strength is fully on display. But as a as the kind of quarterback to come out and run no huddle, I don't think I do not view Flacco's game <laughs> like 
like that. He's a very, you know, deliberate kind of quarterback. I mean, a lot of the what the Ravens did with the no huddle was try to get to the line of scrimmage to prevent substitution, but then also taking their time at the line of scrimmage. And it's interesting that you mention this because, you know, the Ravens are down 13 to seven at halftime of the AFC championship game later this year. And it was the no huddle that the, that the Patriots had no answer for in terms of, of the Ravens getting the line of scrimmage quickly, them not being able to substitute the Ravens just driving down the field and taking that second half 21, nothing. Well, I'm going to have to go look at the rest of the season because they, they, I mean, they, they didn't look terrible, but they did not look great. And it just seemed like a weird, um, I don't know, strategically just kind of strange. But so this first drive, um, they, they go no huddle. They got, um, you know, Ray Rice is, is in this thing. He's like lined up 12 yards deep as a single back offense. And that seems to be our kind of major approach here. Runs up the middle. Um, the thing that struck me is kind of, and we talked about this last time, historically the game, even this, you know, 2009 game, which is the game we talked about last time, looked so different. For, you know, like unmodern football, it looked like, you know, the, the, the 1950 Green Bay, you know, offense essentially. This game, you know, like I said, we're seeing some of those innovations that the Pats are putting in with, you know, more versatile players and whatever. But I will say, so the Ravens get to – you know, the, the Patriots side of the 50, fourth and one, they've been running with Ray Rice and they've got Pitta, you know, who's was a very, very solid short pass catcher. They don't even think about going it's, for it. It's incredible. And they, they, just, they, 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 they have never, they have never punted. <laughs> <laughs> and they just, they just, I mean, so, so that was kind of interesting to see. Now this was Cook in Cook's, you know, when Cook was a, a punting weapon and i feel like maybe we've lost a little bit about you know in the last few years with him he used to hit that flutter ball and some other stuff that people just couldn't track they couldn't catch um so he could he kicks it down to the 10 and so it's you know it's not the worst decision to um to kick it but uh, you know brady you know brady for 80 yards or brady for 40 yards is kind of the same thing you're still going to hope to stop them when they get into the red zone and so it's it just it, 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 it it's just amazing to see how much that has changed um so, yeah, so they come back. Let's see what happens. Pats eventually get a, a field goal here on all the things mm-hmm. that you, you might, you know, kind of expect with, um, you know, Welker on up the, up the sideline. Um, I will say you see Ed Reed <laughs> in this drive. Now, this is the beginning of the era where they're starting to sort of be more, you know, that protecting receivers and whatnot is more common. I don't know when they passed that sort of um, – the unprotected receiver rule, but it was probably around this time when people were starting to pay attention to head injuries. But Ed Reed hit Edelman on this drive to stop it so hard and square. I mean, it wasn't helmet to helmet, I don't really think, but it was more like chest to head. And Edelman caught it and, you know, jumped back up and everything. But Good God. You just like a hit that you don't see in these day, in this day and age. Um, yeah, and it would have been fun. It was not flagged here. So they stopped him. Pats go up, kick a field goal, field goal 3 nothing. Flacco turns right around, gets intercepted immediately on the very next play from a scrimmage. Yeah. <laughs> 
He did have the tackle, though. I I, I put in my <laughs> notes that Flacco got the tackle, and I, that's not the only time he's got. He got a number of tackles in his career, um, which isn't a great isn't a great statistic for yeah. uh, for for quarterbacks. Yeah, you don't want but a lot was, of that. You know, he's a big athletic guy, and he, you know he got the tackle here. I, I appreciate that. I'm not sure. Does does, uh, does Lamar have a tackle yet in his career? I know that I've seen him stick his head in there a couple of times and scare me half to death. But yeah, I, I can. I'll look that up as we continue the show here, and we'll have an answer for you. But I don't know. Not off All the right. top of my head. All right. So TD pads. They run it in from the three. I didn't even. I I I, I watched that drive, and um, I, I they didn't have very far to go. They ran it in, and that was that. It was probably I don't know. It was probably Wood Woodhead for. You know the TD. Is that, is that who got it? Uh, they, for, actually, for the TD was Brandon Bolden. Yeah, they had a bigger back, Bolden. Um, the Ravens go three and out. I don't even. I didn't even write notes down. I'm sure it was just something that was irritating and pathetic. Probably run up the middle on first down for nothing, and then mm-hmm. two incomplete passes. Um, Patriots get the ball back, and my notes from that. Um, from that particular drive is that Nada was everywhere, cleaning yep. up on the inside, cleaning up on the outside. I think he had a tackle like 18 yards downfield in that drive. Um, and, you know, just what a huge, fast man. Speaking of Nada, which I, you know, we should still get to. This the other One of the other fun parts about this thing is it was the – Nada in his prime versus Wilkfork in his prime mm-hmm. nose tackle battle. And both of those big cats in this game were making, you know, big plays and you know, doing good work. Yeah, Nada had nine tackles in this game. And I, I can't even tell you how unusual it is for a defensive tackle to pile up nine tackles. We had Kelly Gregg, who got very spoiled of the kind of productivity he yeah. would have week after week. But Nada Did he really have nine tackles? tackles? Yeah. That's, a, that's amazing. That's got to be among his high for his career, I would guess. Yeah, it would, it would be probably in the top five. Um, half a sack for 3.5, uh, one tackle for loss. That had to be the sack, obviously. Two quarterback hits, one of those is the sack. But still, that's an incredible stat sheet for a defensive tackle for one game. Yeah. He would have been, you know, it's interesting. We always played him on the nose um, but for understandable reasons because he was, in, you know, unmovable and it was very much our defensive philosophy then as it is to a degree now to, you know, stop the run up between the tackles. It would have been interesting to play him every once in a while. I mean, maybe they did, and I just don't know it. But did they ever play him at D end? Yeah, they they played him some as a three, some as a five. But when the Ravens had a four man front, and uh, it would often be him as a one. So that's probably what you're remembering. So more of a nose tackle type yeah. position. Uh, he he lined up off ball some. I mean, you may remember that that he was he was off ball as a linebacker, and they would use this running start method. They do you remember I that? I do not remember. That. Yes, I was I was scary. <laughs> I I'll try and get that for you. This is his seventh year, and they're done with it. In fact, they're they're all the all the cool stuff with not the off ball running to yeah, it's probably like the first two years. Yeah, first two years, and he he didn't he didn't have a snap on the offensive line. I don't believe after two after two thousand ten, he actually got hurt and he missed his defensive start because he was running a pattern in the end zone. 
So is it, is, otherwise, you know, in, in, he, he, they had incredible success in 08, 09, and 10, running the football with him in as a uh, as a as a defensive, Full, sorry, offensive tight end, fullback or or yeah. extra tackle or something. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's all right. I'll have to go back and I'll, I'll have to find some of those things. That's, that's, that's so him coming down, running downhill at a quarterback sounds like a lot of fun to me. Um. So let's see where we go. We go. I think we go into the half at like thirteen nothing. Does that look right? Uh, Twenty to fourteen at the half. Oh, so oh, so I'm not, maybe I'm not clear. But it was thirteen to nothing after one. Yeah. So thir- oh, that's the first quarter. Okay. Yeah. So thirteen nothing after two field goals and a and a and that touchdown they just got. Um. So the things. Um. I, I do have a note in here that's. Says Belichick. Belichick clearly says "fuck" on the main screen, like with a close-up camera, on um, this next drive, which is Bernard Pierce comes in here as a rookie. Which mm-hmm. I sort of forgotten about Bernard Pierce. He was a real slick little, you know, not big. He was actually big back. He was a slick um, runner there and effective. He wasn't had not the burst, of course, of Ray Rice, but he was a good little. He was a good runner, and so he comes in here, sort of spells. Ray Rice for a couple and does some does some nice things. Um, gets a run for seven, I think. Um, I've got a note in here that says Leach for first down, which maybe did, did you get a pass or did you get a run? Can you tell? Uh, uh, Monte Leach is a run. This is interesting. If he did, it'd be it'd be one of the few times in Baltimore he had one. He did yeah, he not run. He, he never ran that I can really think. Yeah. I mean, obviously he did, but not that was not his common thing. Two catches for seven in this game. You mentioned Vontae Leach coming at you on the sideline, but Vontae Leach is, is famous for really only having one route he would ever run, an out route, about a three-yard flat route. Okay. Yeah, that, and that was, a, that was the route he, that's the route he ran, and my God. <laughs> it was scary. But the first, very first play of the Super Bowl, they ran a different route with him. And this is what two weeks of game planning will give you, is, is you know, they, they try and figure out during their scripted plays, what can they do? And they ran Vontae Reach on a, like, eight-yard route in the middle. He's wide open and, and uh, <laughs> made the catch on the first play of the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, so this... Uh, this drive ends with the first of the Tory Smith uh, uh, TDs, and um, I don't know. Do we do we mention that he was he was so that it was announced at this game that his uh, that his um, his brother had died literally the morning before the game. So as as it was discussed, his brother died in a car accident. I want to say like two o'clock in the morning before this particular game. So less than twenty four hours before. And, you know, so he had said, of course, he's playing for his brother and all that kind of thing. And everybody's rooting for him, but nobody's really expecting all that much for him. But he has just a tremendous game. And this um, this particular play, if I remember correctly, was kind of a long go route up the left sideline. And he does he does what you know, what what is the classic Tory Smith thing, which he he bends that route. He bends that route just a little toward the middle and away from the sidelines, and then the ball goes in the air, and he just he's just explosive with the ball in the air. And so all of a sudden, from a position where he's sort of, you know, he looks kind of covered, but he, you know, has a bit of a pad behind him, you know, between him and the sideline, between him and the end zone, and he's just he just disappears away from the run, the, the back, mm-hmm. and he jumps to catch the ball and 
doesn't really have to jump that high because mm-hmm. the ball just like, and he kind of hits him square in the hands. He just holds out his hands and the, and the defensive back is like, you know, kind of like, where did he go? And <laughs> touchdown, um, which is what a lot of what I kind of remember. He, I did listen to your podcast um, the other day about, yeah. about Tori's getting um, pass interference calls and he did not get a pass interference call in this game. He did get a, a holy call, but, um, but, but that's like, that was the thing that really stood out to me with Tori. I have never seen a receiver that was faster with the ball in the air than Torrey Smith. I've seen other really, really fast receivers, but that cat, when the ball went up, was lightning. Yeah, he was, you know, the old statement is, if you're even, you're leaving, kind of as a wide receiver. <laughs> and, and it was never it was never more true with Torrey. And, and I think you're right about the, about the ball in the air, but what Flacco was seeing to put that ball in the air is that Flacco or, or that Torrey Smith is close to stacking that receiver. And, and when he's there, he knows Torrey Smith has got a huge advantage. And of course that's, that was the root of a lot of the DPI calls was the fact and not holding as well is that there really was no defense for his speed. Once he was in that position, a lot of defensive backs, they knew it and they, they would grab on for dear life at that point and, and take a, a slightly shorter play. Yeah. I think, you know, I didn't, I don't think anybody did. It would be kind of fun to hold on, hold on. Um, All right. It'd be kind of fun to go back and actually watch those pass interference calls. But my 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 recollection of sort of the way that a lot of those things went is a lot like this particular play is he would he would burst he would all of a sudden be launched if the ball came in a little underthrown he would go back and get it draw the penalty and. So I'm sure they were. I'm sure they were grabbing and holding, you know, calls too. But a lot of times, it just seems to me he was. He would just create that pad, and then he would have such an advantage to either go up, run further, or come back in a way that the the defender just could never ever handle. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he so he goes in there, um, touchdown Ravens, and yeah, it was a nice. It's a nice little moment. Thirteen to seven at that point. Yeah. Um, Got, let's see, the next Patriots drive. The notes I wrote down is that there was a Gronk sighting, which I'm not sure. When did Gronk come into the league? Uh, the, I think he and he and Hernandez were drafted, I believe, in the same draft, which which I believe is the same draft as Pitta and Dick and Dixon. But I have to go back and look at that. But I will did have they all, Did they all come in then? That's that. Wow. What a what a uh, what a tight end draft. Yeah, and I know that. Actually, I do remember that because that was the year they they drafted two tight ends. We drafted two tight ends, and there was a lot of debate, kind of going into that as to who the you know who got the better of that deal. Yeah, so Gronkowski was a two in 2010, so he was probably the best value of the group, and uh, Aaron Hernandez was a four. Uh, he spent the most time in jail of the group, and then uh, <laughs> yeah, committed uh, those murders that we yes, know of. That's that's horrible. Yeah, uh, it's not it's not even a little bit funny, but. Uh, uh, it, Okay, uh, let's uh, let's maybe continue on. We, do, we could tell All the story right. maybe at a little bit uh, quicker pace here. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> All right. Where, so let's see. Okay, Pitta goes in for a TD, 14-13 on our next drive. Leach is in there. Flacco has a run. Um, the big play on that drive was J- Jacoby Jones, which, mm-hmm. you know, I, th- I think of him as kind of a returner primarily. Um and that's probably where he did the most damage in the season. But he was also really, really, you know, slick in the in the field. So he had a forty-one yard catch there. Um, New England goes to the 
the uh, two minute drill um, and attacked it. And let's see, they go in twenty to fourteen at halftime. That's right. That's what I wrote down. What is right. it? What's the score at halftime? Twenty to right? twenty to fourteen is correct. And this is just a classic Brady. Get the ball with a minute and forty seven. The other team, of course, is not going to see it again because Brady can get first downs pretty much at will. They drive nine plays, eighty one yards. So it bothered me. Everything about that bothers me. That they easily can drive eighty one yards in in one hundred and seven seconds. That bothers me. It bothers me that Brady can do it every time. And if they win the toss, they'd have the ball again at the beginning of the third quarter, and they'd be looking to stack points and. It would be that much more upsetting. But Manning and Brady both, ugh, the end of the half was just never a, a good time against the Ravens. No. I, I mean, I think the Ravens handled them as well as most teams and maybe better better than a lot of teams. But, yeah, just so frustrating. And they seem to they seem to continuously evolve in that area where they just got better and better no matter what the defenses, defenses kind of did to, to manage them. They just dealt with it, you know, whether yeah. it was running or passing. The Ravens had still, if I recall correctly, never beaten the Patriots during the regular season at this point prior to this game. They'd beaten them in the playoffs in 2009, but I believe they'd lost every single regular season meeting. So it might have been five or six times they'd, they'd met prior to that. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> uh, I did not like that feeling. I, I, I didn't remember that specifically, but I didn't like it either. Uh, what do we got here? Third quarter, um, Ray Rice touchdown? Yeah. Yep, yeah, Ray Rice, Monte Leach playing in here, doing good things. Tory Smith, Smith for another twelve. Smith for thirty-two. Um, we go eighty yards in three and a half minutes, and uh, we get the TD. Was it Ray Rice on the TD there? Ray Rice for a seven-yard TD. And it's twenty-one twenty. Um, they come right back. It's Woodhead and Edelman and Welker's show. Brandon Lloyd is in there. Pollard gets a personal foul as he is wont to do. Yeah. <laughs> and Patriots score another touchdown. Ravens punt. One of the things about um, this game kind of reminds you of Jackson and Mahomes in terms of very long drives being exchanged. I mean, these are these are like every, each team's taking a big windy up uppercut at the other and and uh and and having their way with them offensively. Yeah. And yeah, the Ravens are doing things here. I mean, like a, they've got real talent here, but they're a little more sort of stop and start, a little harder to watch, much less smooth than the Patriots are in this period. Um, Jimmy Smith makes a showing on defense. I didn't actually recall that he was on this team, but I think that was his rookie year. Lardarius Webb is in his good period. Mm-hmm. Um, hats are up by nine as we start the fourth quarter. Um I got a I got a note here that says the Ravens on fourth and three with McKinney as an ele- extra lineman and Leach as a fullback somehow managed to get stuffed on fourth and, fourth and three, which I did not like. Is it fourth and fourth and one? Maybe this is looks like ten fifty six to go in the game. Uh, yeah, it could have been fourth and one. Okay. I mean, I, I'm, I wasn't looking at the game book and I was just looking at the field, so it may you know who knows. Okay, um, sure. But I remember that. I did not like that. So McKinney, the defensive lineman, was on the field as an offensive lineman on that play. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I guess they were. I guess they were doing this. You know, they were doing that with him. I I didn't recall that. No, I didn't um, either. But there he was. Um, we make the we make the Pats punt. Jimmy Smith stuffs a bubble screen. 
um, which was big. You know, that was big fun back then, bubble screens. Mm-hmm. LRB's playing good here. Yonda, on the next drive, picks up his second penalty of the game, which I recall um, – I don't recall getting him and getting a lot of penalties. He never did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they show – particularly that pe- second penalty, they show the replay, and it was the most phantom hold I think I've ever seen. And the fans also go into a chant at that point that was extremely yes. audible on TV? Yes, it was extremely audible. They even commented on it. It was, the, as they described it, the loudest uh, – what did they say? I might even put a note down here on that. But yeah, it was extremely odd. I mean, it seemed like everybody on the field was yelling about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody in the stadium, you could hear it clearly on the, on the broadcast. Um, so we go um, – so we drive down here. We've got Torrey Smith for 16, and we got Jacoby Jones for 21. we got a Ray Rice for 27, all, you know, nice things going on. Mm-hmm. Um. Smith gets his second TD here, diving right side of the end zone. Um, and I got a note here. I don't know if this is for the full game or if this is by this point. He's six catches, 127 yards, and two TDs, which, again, you know, for for this game, when he's, I'm sure, been up all night and, you know, is suffering, is an amazing um, stat line. The, the other thing that I noted here, and I remember thinking about that this year. So Flacco... I feel like Flacco worked with a different quarterback coach coming into 2012. And one of the things they were working on was sort of movement and shuffling and, and sliding in the pocket and not being such a statue. Um, and I actually noticed that you could really, it was noticeable here in this game that Flacco's subtle movement, you know, just to get away from the rush a little bit, you know, six, six feet here and there, just subtle movement and then getting the ball off clean was evident. This was a good year for Flacco. I mean, this was the you know this was the January Joe year. Later, um, less obvious that he was going to be that good at this point, but he really does look good here. Um, so yeah, so now it's thirty twenty eight. Pats are still up. Um, Ravens needed to stop badly. This you know this, this is what they, I actually this is where I wrote it down. So that the the earlier penalty was terrible, but this is the one that they that was the worst, the loudest manure chant I've ever heard per the broadcast. So Lardarius Webb picks off Brady, and they call a penalty for illegal contact. And you can see it, it didn't look like anything in sort of live play, but on the replay, you can absolutely see that the call is utter shit. It's garbage. There's there's no illegal contact. Everybody's just running free. It's a bad pass, and Lardarius Webb picks it, picks it off. And the fans right, rightfully um, go crazy. So, um, but, so we lose that pick. Um, still good, you know, but defense does their thing. Um, eventually, we get, um, we get a punt, and J.J. drops it but recovers it. Um, so we get the ball back and he then, then we push it down the field. I think let's see what we got. Two Oh one. Um, we get about two minutes. We must be just under the two minute warning when we get mm-hmm. the ball back. Um, and JJ gets 22 pit for three pit for 17 JJ pass interference for 27, um, which is pretty good. And this was one of the moments. Um, so they're going to run Tucker on. So we're now at the end. We got two seconds left. They let it run down. They let it run down. They they could have they could have clawed. They had a they had a timeout. So they could have stopped it at seven or eight. I think. 
Um, and so the broadcast team is like, they're watching this, the time's running down. They're like, he should take the time out. And they talk about, you know, they've got this rookie kicker, you know, rookie <laughs> free agent kicker, Tucker. They're like, Oh, you know, can he make a clutch kick? And the broadcast team is like, Oh, he should have should have taken the time out with, you know, nine seconds, just in case something bad happened here. You know, who knows, but they let, they take it down. New England takes a timeout to ice Tucker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in point of fact, he just squeaked it and that kick goes over the upright. Oh, I mean, definitely not inside the upright, over the upright called good. And, and I'm sure it was. I mean, the ref was sitting right underneath it. Um, so that was the big finish. Tucker with one of his very first clutch kicks, very way too close, not Tucker esque right down the middle, but good enough um, to close it out 31 29 or 28 or whatever it was. Um, and yeah. Felt good. It was good. If if that was the first, you know, regular season win over the Pates, the Patriots, you know, all the better. And you know, we'd seen them in the AFC Championship the year before, and we're going to see them again, I think, coming up. So yeah, very similar game in that in that AFC Championship game. They were down thirteen to seven at Foxborough. By the way, Belichick and Brady at that point were sixty eight and zero when leading at halftime at home. They they'd never been beaten, and you know, this wasn't the the biggest lead they had, obviously, at six points, but. Uh, you know, they had no answer for the Baltimore Ravens in the second half and the, and the Ravens, no huddle specifically, uh, you know, they drove right down the field. They, they coughed the ball up on offense. Uh, it was just a, a thing of beauty. I could tell you to be there for that second half. Well, I actually did not, I did not know that, but I can certainly, I certainly do recall the Patriots were the, you know, the absolutely the baddest team in the NFL and it was not close, particularly on offense. They weren't necessarily going to intimidate you on defense, but mm-hmm. On offense, they were legitimately unstoppable, um, and we I guess we you know we stopped them just enough here, which is which is which was nice. It felt good. It felt good yeah. to watch it again. Fire me up. Yeah, big big. Certainly, it was a it was a game of key defensive stands there at the end for for this Ravens team, and uh, you know exciting precursor. I I love talking about this with you, Dirk, and it brings up all kinds of good memories about that Super Bowl team. Because my first memory about that Super Bowl team is that of the first five Harbaugh years. I think it was probably the worst team. Uh, all the other ones were better. The 08 team was better. The 09 team was great, even though they were nine so? seven. Yeah, I think the 2012 team was the worst. The, the, the 10 and 11 teams were outstanding. Uh, but the 12 team was really not that good. And it, it, The defense had sagged off. They had a huge number of injuries, like Darius Webb and, and Ray at the end of his career. And, and you know, honestly, uh, Reed at the end of his career as well. Uh, you know, it, it was just the team defensively was not the same team that they had been the previous four years. Offensively, they were better, but, uh, uh, you know, still I didn't think uh, good enough to make up for the losses on, on offense. And then they, you know, they rode the Lewis and Flacco wave through that playoff to, uh, to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's interesting to, I mean, you have a much better historical perspective. I'm very much a, you know, I have a fan level perspective having, I watched all these games and, you know, kind of think what I think and then I rewatch them and here we are. Um, for sure. Well, I mean, not a here was a force. And so defensively, I'm sure we were down, you know, from what we had been, but offensively, I'll tell you what, this might've been the fastest team offensively in the, in the skill positions. This might've been the fastest team, certainly in this era. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ray Rice was really good. Bernard Pierce looked really good here as a sort of second back, 
we this was you know Anquan Bolden is in here. I didn't mention him. He did have some plays here, but you know that's the only not he, he's not fast, but that's the only time we've really had that post up you know receiver ever. And when it came when we got around later on in the season to kind of where Flacco seemed to trust him, like he trusted Torrey Smith in this game, to you know just put it on his hands and let him deal with it. You know he was a real real force. So offensively. And, you know, we never thought about offense at all in mm-hmm. this era. Offense was always like, well, you know what, I hope it's, you know, I hope he can score nine points. But offensively, this team had weapons. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did. And, and uh, you know, Ray Rice was a, was a good player. This was really, he was on the way down in 2012. And, and uh, unfortunately, it was kind of the end of the, the end of the era for him. And I guess he played in 13, didn't play particularly well. And then the, the off season troubles happened before 14 and, and the Ravens released him. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it, uh, there are a lot of players, you know, on this team. It's not like we didn't love the fact that Nada was there, that Suggs was there. That's another player is missing for half a season here is Terrell Suggs. Yeah. He didn't play in this game. And he, he came back very fast from that off season Achilles injury playing basketball. Um, incredibly came back to play and, you know, he was around in the Super Bowl and whatnot, but he was a shell of who he had been in other years. So, uh, uh, you know, I, it's not that I didn't love the playoff run in 2012. I did, of course. Uh, it's just that this, this team was, was, you know, the 2018, the 2009 team, the 2011 team, they were all so close to winning it all and they, and they didn't get it done. Uh, you know, people say they were early, whatever this 2012 team, they had no business being there. No business I know, at all. I, I, that's probably true. What was the year? What's the what's the year of? Uh, I think we talked about this last time. But what was the year that we the the kick the kind of kick? What year was that? Was that the year? That was eleven. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, that team. Uh, I will go to my grave thinking that team should have gone to the Super Bowl. I think it's clear that whoever came out of the AFC was going to win. Yeah. Um. So they should have gone and should have won in that year. But you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Speaking okay. of things that I don't think, you know, I have real grave doubts about that I should never talk about, this Super Bowl and the power going out gives me pause. <laughs> but maybe we'll you're get a, to that. You're story. a conspiracy theorist. So I know. Interesting, just interesting have, I'm not all about the conspiracy theories, but I just have these little suspicious bits. And yeah. the kind of ball is one of them. And the power going out of the Superdome while we led by whatever it was, 21 mm-hmm. points, seems like another. The deflate gate game, you know, coming right before the deflate gate was exposed. I mean, there's, yes. there's, we, I, I think that every team can make a list of 20 such things. You put the right fans together, it's <laughs> happened to them in their history. <laughs> so I think you might feel better looking at other people's lists. Like the Detroit Lions may say, well, the, you know, the penalty that wasn't called on for delay of game right before Justin Tucker's 66-yard field goal. So, you know, I, every team has got this. You no, know, that, that's true. And whatever that was, like the Green Bay, you know, wide receiver that got completely wiped out two years ago and was uncalled, you know, was mm-hmm. pretty horrible too. But but this is the Ravens, Ken. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> and I only care about this team. All right. Well, fair enough. Dirk, just a pleasure to talk, to talk football with you in general and about this game in particular. Great, great trip down memory lane. Where can people talk football with you? They can talk football with me if they know me in real life. I always talk football. Um, they can also find me on Twitter at, at Dirk Schwenk. I talk a lot of things. Um, Less about football there and more about sort of the uh, issues of the day. 
um, and legal issues and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I'm always happy to talk football, and I I am I hope at least mostly able to distinguish between issues of the day and football and talk happily about either one, depending on what anybody wants to talk about. All right. Terrific. Other folks out there, we have about 10 more of these 25 years pods to do. Doing a bunch today. I'm just loving this day so far. And if you want to do it, send me a couple of notes on what you want. Uh, Direct messages are open on Twitter. I'll get back to you very quickly. We'll massage that into a nice episode. Dirk, fantastic job here. Great trip down memory lane. Thanks for joining me again. All right. Talk soon. And we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you next time on Film Study. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.